Good job, boys. After after we fumbled the football, we still recovered it, and uh, was it we fumbled it again, but we then we recovered that one as well. Had a ten yard holding penalty, but hey, we still came back and scored on that drive. It was like Good the job. immaculate reception. <laughs> Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. Right. Here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what is that? Okay, so it's May 25th, 7 p.m. It's your host, Brock, and on the other screen is my co-host, Captain Marvelous, Mark <laughs> Messier, apparently. Hey, Mark Messier. <laughs> What's with the magazine, bud? Uh, my my collection of old Sports Illustrated took a tumble, and uh, one of the ones that was displayed on the floor was this old one here. It must have been well when the when the Rangers won the cup would have been nineteen ninety four. That was the year. That was the OJ Simpson year. That was the year the uh, the greatest NHL game came out for Sega Genesis. That the absolute greatest. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, this magazine fell on the floor, but it's the hockey edition, and it's uh, I guess it would have been the finals. It was the Canucks and Rangers uh, are on the cover here, so that's pretty cool. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, there uh, for those <laughs> yeah. watching. There's a I got old sports. The one you gave me, I gotta bring one out every time now. When we start getting into college football season, uh, shout out to uh, the listeners that are tuned in. I posted a thing on our Facebook group page today to make sure that you guys uh, accept and go to the Streamyard. Uh, slash Facebook to make sure you guys accept their terms so they can use your uh, name and profile when you guys are leaving comments. So it makes it a lot easier for us to track and also give you credit for the comments. You guys are posting a lot of really good stuff. Um, but when we don't know who it is, sometimes, well, I'm pretty sure I know who this is probably, but here we go. I don't have a name or a picture for this. So goalies go. Could be anybody. It could be Pep, although he's wearing a Habs jersey. So my guess is not. How are you <laughs> feeling about the Habs Leafs right now, bud? I don't feel good. I mean, uh, so watching the game yesterday, it was it's all Leafs, and they all four lines skate hard, they forecheck hard, and uh, the Habs just seem like there are steps. All right, so Pep is the one that uh, told me that I was a little choppy a second ago, and so I was all concerned about my setup. But really, I think we know where the problem is because Pep just got booted. Anyway, if he's following up on the Habs Leafs series. Uh, other than the first series, I, I'll tell you, Carey Price is the only reason the Habs aren't getting blown out by a lot. They're getting outshot. I feel like they're, other than game one, which is when uh, Tavares went down with that uh, that injury, and it was pretty scary, I think that the, the Leafs have kind of been all over them. So kudos to Carey Price. He's kind of back in full effect. Uh, P-Dog is back. So, Pierre, you thought it was my problem? I don't think it's mine. <laughs> anyway am i am i back in the there we are i'm back yeah, sorry back. you know what it's uh it's I, the weather's kind of taking a turn here and uh it's uh i wonder if it's causing any kind of issues anyway if that happens again you know brock you got the you got me covered but you had asked me about the leafs and uh and habs and i just wanted to mention about if you want the best example of of one team dominating the other just watch their power plays montreal can't even get a shot on net they can't control the puck uh, Toronto four checks hard. They've got a man on the puck all the time. And then you watch the Habs when they're on the penalty kill, and they're just and they're just letting the Leafs be Harlem Globetrotters on the perimeter. And it, it's 
it's the difference between the two teams is one is speed strength and the other just sort of plays like rope a dope and waits to attack and uh uh, if they don't look, if they don't win tonight, it's over. It's there. Montreal is not winning three in a row. So tonight's no. do or die. That's basically when you were cut off. I basically said the same thing. Other than Carey Price, there's no reason that the Habs should be in the series. They're getting outplayed. The puck movement by the Leafs are all over them. Uh, but Price is keeping them into into the game, uh, which is again to be expected and kind of par for the course for the Habs. And that's what they did last year. So. It's nice to see him back into his sort of form, but uh, the Leafs are giving him a pretty good uh, peppering of shots. Uh, we sort of jumped in real quick to the hockey because you're wearing that Habs jersey, but I uh, wanted to take a quick second. So um, uh, Jen and Keith Hiscox, for those who don't know, Keith Hiscox is part owner of the Crazy Horse, who's uh, one of the friends of the show, and he's uh, the Crazy Horse is a big sponsor on Cap City Beats as well. Um, but uh, the two of them, they're big dog lovers. Um, and have taken in multiple dogs over the nice. years. Um, and Jen just shared uh, a thing on Facebook. I guess uh, somebody she knows in that community is looking for someone to foster uh, a couple of pit bull mixes um, for about a month. So I guess what happened is, um, I don't know, it's not bylaw, but uh, whatever the uh, organization kind of monitors uh, dogs and stuff, I guess is a, I guess accusing of being purebred. Anyway, the owners have to get paperwork together to show that they're not purebred pit bulls, uh, but they are show dogs. Um, they're very good uh, with kids and with other dogs and very well behaved. And anyway, the owners just kind of in a, in a pickle right now and they're looking for somebody, uh, if anybody would be open to fostering these dogs for about a month, all expenses paid, everything will be covered uh, just while they kind of get the paperwork and stuff done. I guess the, they risk losing the dogs in six days if they don't find somebody to sort of uh, house them for the next month or so. And I, um, you know, it's funny. I just did a big interview, an interview with my daughter who was asking me questions about, um, you know, what it would take to get a dog here and mm -hmm. with the dog and, uh, you know, all the benefits of having dogs and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it was well done, but, uh, I think it went a little bit, uh, in the a direction she wasn't hoping for. Cause after Chubbs, I really wasn't looking to open up for, uh, um, for that kind of, uh, I don't know, say commitment, but, uh, anyway, it, there's for me, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to replace, uh, uh, Chubbs anyway. Um, of course, of course. So this came up and uh, was something I, I asked her real quick if I could put it on air just to see if anybody in the area would be interested in doing that. I know we have a lot of uh, dog lover, pet lovers out there. So um, if at all you're interested, you know, send us a, a comment or something through this or on Facebook or the group. Uh, anyway, you guys can get a hold of us fairly easily. So, uh, yeah. Very cool. Anything else for headlines for you before we get going? No, I mean, uh, we were going to sh shout out I'm not sure if we have that the graphics ready for it. We can do it later on, but I want to shout oh, out. I got it. You got it. I want to shout out my man Hashem at the Wheel Deal, uh, full service auto mechanic who uh, takes took care of you too. I think last week did he not? Uh, yeah. So Hashem's a real good friend of uh, one of my good friends, Corey, who owns Specialized uh, Auto Image Image Specialized Image Auto. Uh, big car detailing uh, place in Bell's Corner. And every time I need something to do with my truck or whatever, I'll usually give Corey a call and find out what his thoughts are. And uh, I was, you know, when you get bored and you're sitting at home and you just kind of like, you start looking for something to buy or something to do. And I started looking at, 
you know, Corey was posting pictures of his truck and he had these real nice rims on and tires. I was like, I should get different tires. I'm like, maybe I should get different rims. Anyway, yada, yada. I went in there with some spacers to try on the truck and uh, hash them through them on there and and, uh, basically took a look and kind of gave me his opinion and um, ultimately talked me out of them. But uh, but flipped the tires and stuff and, and, and took real good care of me. So um, if I, I do know if I need anything in that kind of realm, he's the guy I'm going to go take a look at. But um, I heard that uh, you were back in his shop recently getting some rubber, I think, on the uh, the Jeep. Uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, my Wrangler's getting up there in age and it needed some new tires. And, uh, you know, he uh, he had acquired, a, I think, four well, he had acquired five from somebody, but the one of them didn't fit. So he had four. They're practically new. Uh, and, uh, he put them on, gave me a good price and, uh, you know, he, he cares about your time too, right? It's not just one of these things where it's like, leave the car with me and, uh, it's, it's ready when it's ready. Like he gives you a time, he, he cares about your time and uh, I'm a, I'm just a big fan of the guy and he knows, I mean, he knows most mechanics know their stuff, but he definitely knows his stuff and, uh, he doesn't have time to uh, BS you around basically. So big shout out to Hashem and, uh, the, his crew at the wheel deal 36 wheel deal. Bentley. Um, I don't remember the uh, the phone number, Brock. But if you want to give it a shout there, one three seven nine nine six zero one four. Nice. Uh, are you telling me you can't see that image, Pep? Uh, well, it's kind of small on my screen, but it's not your fault. All right. So yeah, uh, give him a call again. All you can ask for in these kind of yep. businesses is honesty and somebody who uh, you know treats you well when you're going in there, and yeah. you want somebody you can trust and uh, knows his stuff. Good. He falls into so there's only a handful of guys i'll trust for my vehicle but he'll be one of them yep okay let's uh hey without further ado we got a guest today you want to yeah. intro let's do it you want to give him the bio or we're we just going to bring him in oh let's yeah well first of all this young man is a the son of a friend of mine i've known him since he was a a little guy and he's not so little anymore not at all. Um, he is an OHL draft hopeful. He is actually, a, I consider him a friend of mine, as a matter of fact. Now he's big enough to be a friend of mine and not just uh, the son of a friend. Um, he is a great young man with an exceptional work ethic. And uh, OHL teams, if you are uh, watching and listening, you might want to have a look at Isaiah Obiora. Everything litty, I love when it's hot. Turn to the city, I broke out the notch. Got some more millies, I keep me a knot. I created history, it made Get me your own walk-up song, Isaiah. Appreciate it, I appreciate it. <laughs> How you doing? You Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. And con- contain your excitement a little bit. This is Don't really... I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, so, really excited to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. So Pep says that you're big enough to be a friend now. I think... That's so. because he's no longer willing to play you in basketball one-on-one, which, you know, he was, uh, he self-admitted that he was not going to challenge you anymore moving forward. Uh, don't yeah, get rattled. We yeah. lost Pep a little bit there. Again, I don't know if he's hardwired or that uh, Quebec internet is very sketchy, but he's yeah, out again. Really, uh, I can't really hear what you're saying. It's like really choppy right now. Oh, we already got our first comment. I don't know if you can uh, see that. Michael Ferreira has commented the last time he saw you, you were knee high, which is... <laughs> I chose up. He lost shorter when I saw him last. A very big difference from where you are right now. Okay. Um, can you hear me, Isaiah? 
a little bit. It's just really choppy. I don't know why uh, I can't hear it too clearly. Maybe it's my Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's. Uh, it may not I be you. Hear. It may be uh, Mike is saying he's not hearing us. It's really choppy as well. So I am not sure what's going on. You know, the show must go on to a point. It's a matter of whether or not uh, everybody can hear us. Pep, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Sorry, I we got I got booted out there again. I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure if it's if it's my end or if it's Streamyard, but it's been kind of choppy. And I, uh, anyway, we're here now. Can you hear me, Brock? I can hear you. Yeah, everything on my end seems to be okay. But we did get a comment from Mike, our li- one of our listeners, who says that he can't hear. It's kind of choppy. So I really am not sure what's you are happening. Extremely choppy. Yeah, you're really choppy for me as well. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it. You guys continue. I'll be right back. Isaiah, All right. it's, it's going to be just you and I for a second here, bud. And yes, I, uh, I I have some questions for you moving forward here. We're sorry about the technical difficulties. There might be some, uh, there's some bad weather in the area. I think there was some bad weather and that can affect sometimes our platform here. Um, mm-hmm. So please forgive us, but welcome to the show. And did Brock give you the, uh, the intro? Did we, did we play our, play your song? Did you at least I, hear your song? I did hear the song. I really appreciate that. That was, that was <laughs> nice. That, that got me hyped for sure. Definitely. Yes. No, no problem at all. We were all, we were hyped to have you. So, um, just, you know, we, we had some questions for you. You're a, you're a young man who's, uh, risen through the ranks quite quickly. Um, can you explain, describe, your experience playing in a sport that's predominantly white. Can you talk about your experience and how that's been moving forward here? And uh, how have we evolved over the course of the last calendar year? Because, you know, it's been a difficult year in sports and essentially in, in, the, in the world. How, yeah. Has that affected sports at all? And how has it been for you to play in a sport that's been predominantly white? Well, I mean, to start with, at a young age, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I really didn't uh, notice a difference at all i wasn't treated differently i didn't maybe i just didn't notice it but i i honestly felt that i was treated as equal as everybody else but throughout the years i feel um when i hit around may was when i first realized a bit of maybe microaggressions or some sort of racism from a coach who uh you know sat me for a couple periods because i was at a you know little getaway birthday party for my dad and that was honestly like the first time I really realized or really noticed any sort of racism. But I mean, it definitely, I, I want to say it's gotten worse, but I only feel it's, it seems like it's getting worse because of my age and how I matured and I'm able to like realize these type of things. So overall, it's, it's, it's not the worst, but I feel it can, it can get better. It's a very interesting point. I think also to your, you are now 16, 17? Yes, just, just turned 16. So you're 16 year old. I think you know you're starting to develop uh, a, a better awareness at the rink in life in general. And I th- I think you're probably just sort of realizing the the world around you. But uh, you know you maintain such a good composure. You're such a uh, like a polite young man. Um, you know I think it's just um, you will be a force of change for sure. Whether it's hockey or in this world. And you know I know your parents very well, and they are they're wonderful people. Um, you're surrounded by just great support. Let me ask you something about the pandemic. And, uh, you know, it's been tough for youth sports across the country, across yeah. North America, really. Mm-hmm. You know, players are losing a season, what's, or what's now amounted to a season and a half. Um, what have you done to keep busy? Like, have, what have you done for training? Like, uh, what, how's it been for you? Have you kept up your fitness? Have you been able to play, get on the ice? Tell us a little bit about that. 
Okay, so yeah, um, we did end up having kind of a season. I mean, we we're able to practice around three times a week and then able to scrimmage against the team twice a week. So I was, uh, you know, able to play a little bit of hockey. It wasn't fully, you know, the, the, the game that I'm used to playing. There was no contact allowed. Um, other than that, though, I've really kept busy, you know, uh, training at capital strength with a few teammates and friends. I've been uh, going to uh, Fit for Less, a gym near my house with a couple of my buddies. I've been working out uh, at one of my friend's uh, home gyms. I've, uh, you know, been working out here at home, going on runs, shooting pucks, stick counting, trying to stay active. But I've also been, you know, branching out to different sports. I've been uh, I've been uh, training for football. I've been doing some football and like speed work type of training. I play a lot of basketball as well. Uh, you know, started doing some uh, boxing type of training, just anything to really keep me active and uh, try to keep in good shape. Hey, let me tell you, that's great advice. Whoever's giving you that advice is giving you some sound advice because cross-training essentially um, is very beneficial for a, a person of your age uh, to do many sports, to, to develop the skills, the, you know, the agility, the lateral movement, the, uh, you know, the vertical. I mean, not that you need a vertical in, in hockey necessarily, but it all helps, right? It, it all helps. And uh, more power to you. Um, if, if somebody your age, if there was a kid your age who wanted to start exercising and is a hockey player, uh, maybe doesn't have the aspiration of going to the OHL or, or NCAA, but, you know, wants to get better, wants to get tougher, wants to get whatever. Can you maybe give a, in a, in a few words or less, uh, describe what you might do on a typical routine on a typical day? Like a typical day for like a uh, workout, a workout. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're able to stick out just with a little ball can always help, you know, shooting pucks, get a net. Um, you know, looking up and researching different type of things related to hockey can also really help you improve on specific things. But I mean, I love branching out different sports. You know, you can gain a lot of different, you know, uh, key things to help you out in your main sport as well. But uh, I mean, just practicing is just the best thing. And also, I really like competition. So if you're able to compete with a couple buddies, you know, <laughs> that can that can def that can definitely help out. Speaking of competition. You and I still have some unfinished business. We do. Yep. In a certain laneway <laughs> on a certain street right. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm actually right. quite I'm actually afraid because the you last time be. I played you, you were you were young. You were, I mean, geez, you would have been when did you move into that place? 2014? So that was you'd have been like nine. I was young. And I was a man still. So yeah, yeah now I'm now I'm concerned. But I'll I'll you know what? <laughs> I've got this summer to work out and to get ready yeah. for you. So just so uh, for those of you who don't know, Isaiah's a pretty good basketball player too. So yeah, I've got my work cut out for me. Um I'll go easy on you, don't worry. I'll go what's, easy. On oh, thank you. I appreciate that. What's your favorite uh exercise in the gym? Like what do you like to do uh, in terms of weights? Ooh. I mean, uh, I feel everyone likes this, but I really like doing bench. I mean, working okay. out chest and bench is probably my favorite right now. But I've also really, uh, I've, I've been doing a lot of, you know, training legs a lot. So squats is also a really good one. Like Bulgarian split squats as well. Those type of work, those are, those are starting to be my favorite as well. Beautiful. And I mean, that's, again, you know, bench is a popular one with with a lot of men uh yeah, right. but certainly uh you know the lower yeah. lower half of uh, our bodies are, are where we generate all our power so you just keep keep doing you um brock are, how are you, are you back no i'm back you hear me yeah, yeah i can hear you but you get still you're very choppy and you turns us choppy a little bit if that makes any sense yeah it kind of makes my voice a little choppy interesting but oh okay well you know what He's uh, this is the first time, Isaiah, that we've ever had this kind of level of technical difficulty on his end. It could be weather, 
Hopefully and, and he can come back and uh, and be less choppy. But I'm going to continue on because I want to ask you, when you're taking, you know, there's two routes to, to the NHL potentially, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the NCAA route and the OHL route. Can you discuss maybe some subtle differences between the two? If you, uh, for example, if you took the NCAA route, what would that take? And if you do the OHL route, what would that take? Okay, so for the NCAA, you are able to play as soon as you graduate high school. So that's at 18 for most people. The OHL, you can start as early as 16 years old. So this is my draft year this year. I'll, uh, hopefully I can get drafted you know, as a 16-year-old and I'll be able to go into, uh, into that route of hockey. So the, the OHL is, you know, it's a really competitive league. It's, it's pro, it's, I think it's probably the number one route to the NHL. The but OHL? The, the OHL, yeah, okay. is, is like the best route to go into the NHL right now. But the NCAA is creeping up. It's also a really good, you know, route to get into the NHL. And it also allows you to, you know, pursue uh, a degree while you're playing. So uh, it's also, you know, great academics uh, in NCAA. But in the OHL as well, um, every year you play in the OHL, they pay uh, one-year tuition in a Canadian school. So, I mean, you know, there's both pros and cons for academics and for athletics. Uh, Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So every year you play in the OHL, they will pay a year's worth of tuition? Yep, in a Canadian school. Fantastic. I Brock, yeah. Brock did you know that? I did. Can yeah. Yeah, yep. we can hear you for sure. Yeah. You can hear me. Yeah. All right. Mike pulled himself out. He thought maybe it was his thing. So I don't know if this sounds any better or not. A lot better. You sound um, crystal clear. All right. Yeah. Mike's the problem. I got control now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't know that because uh, obviously, uh, well, the queue is very similar. Uh, so when we went to school, uh, Isaiah, obviously, uh, you know, one of your uh, mentors. Uh, Gordo, we went to school. We went to school with a lot of Hall Olympics at the time when they were winning the uh, uh, Memorial Cup and, and making some really good pushes. Um, so I, I found out from those guys sort of the deal and, and how it went down because you know it's it's a tough it's a it's a tough choice if you have to choose a free education versus pursuing your professional aspirations. But if they have something to this effect that allows you to almost do both. Or at least to say, you know what, I'm going to focus on my athletics right now. And then if it doesn't work out, I can go to school and do it at that point. That does make the decision a little bit easier. But that's what I wanted to ask you is, is how does somebody in your shoes decide? So for me, football, you need academics for football. There is no two ways about it. But for hockey and, you know, baseball, there's a couple other sports like that, that, you know, you have these two paths that, uh, you know, you almost the fork in the road for you is a lot earlier. How do you go about making that decision? Is it just if I get drafted in the OHL, I'm going to go there? Or are you still on the fence as to like, what's the better route for me? You know what? Right now, I'm really on the fence. I haven't been able to decide uh, which route I think would be best for me. But it, it's a really tough decision. I, uh, I'm i still, you know, debating about uh, which is the better route. But and you yeah. still getting drafted doesn't affect just being drafted doesn't affect your eligibility in civility. It's not until you actually like sign with them, correct? Um, I'm pretty sure you can still sign, but you can't uh, take like you can't take any payments from them. You can't oh, sorry, not payments. They can't like pay uh, your way there and back from your home. Any freebies, any, any freebies. Uh, you can't take any merch, you can't take any, you know, equipment, anything like that, or you're considered professional for the NCAA, so you won't yeah. be uh, eligible. Which is good, realistically, from a uh, NCAA standpoint, those are rules that need to be 
changed and adjusted now to today's day and age. Uh, that yeah, affect you. But, I agree. I agree. And you know, Brock, it's not limited to hockey. Eh? That's that's across the board, right? With the, in NCAA. Yeah, when you get into these, like football players are getting dinged for uh, for anything. If you get a discount at a restaurant on a regular <laughs> basis, and somebody like complains about it, that's your your. Uh, accepting gifts from somebody. So it's a restaurant that's close to the stadium and they're like, Oh, you're a football player. Yeah. We'll give you half off or something like that. Like you can get ding for all that kind of stuff because the NCAA, as soon as you start getting any kind of gifts or anything that's, uh, that's free, I mean, you're, you're banned. Here's a, uh, here's a question for you, Isaiah. And I know that you're on the fence and you're, you know, it's kind of a, it's a really tough decision. It's very tough decision as a young man. It's tough, but uh, if you were to be drafted in the OHL, would you prefer to play for your hometown 67s or does it really matter at this point? To be honest, it really doesn't matter. Whichever yeah. team, you know, believes in me, wants me to be on there in their organization, I'd be happy uh, to play with them. You know, doesn't really are you ready to, to leave home? Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to leave home yet. I'm not quite sure, but uh, I don't know. I still have time to think about it. How are you dealing with that? Like, Pep and I, we talk about mental health quite often, and, and it's obviously something that's uh, you know very dear to Pep, and he does a lot of um, support for those kind of issues. Mm-hmm. Now, from a guy who went through some decisions, again, a little bit later in life than you, mm-hmm. but even from a standpoint of like trying to choose a school and where I would fit in, all that kind of stuff, the pressure and stress that was on me at that time, like I, I remember vividly, breaking down on the couch with my mother, like just couldn't, I couldn't really absorb everything and really take it in. It was just, it was so much. How are you dealing with that kind of stuff at this point? Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel exercise like the best thing for me. Like I always find a way to, you know, not, uh, you know, throw out my emotions, but really just, you know, keep a good composure and like stay as happy as possible just from, any sort of exercise or activity it can be sports it can be exercising just stuff like that is honestly just keeps my mental health and keeps me like extremely sane that's the best way i, yeah, I deal with all this stuff. 16 or 22 i can't that's, <laughs> it's, uh, that's a very that's almost like the, the perfect answer i i will say this uh knowing your your um your parents you have the uh, greatest support system uh, uh um, yeah. that that a person could possibly want uh, much like your parents brock you know like your the greatest support system that you guys uh, could possibly need is there. So uh, use them. If I if I'm giving some an old man advice to a 16 year old, which you probably don't even need, uh, but I am I am your de facto agent, and we've already discussed this. So <laughs> when you were nine, you you, you, pressed, you you pressed your thumb on a. I think it was a piece of paper. I had dumped. I had put ink on it, and that, I mean, anyway, it's legit. Gord said it was legit. So um, you took his play doh that he was playing with. Yeah, yeah. I have it wrapped up in a. It's yeah. wrapped up in a in a Ziploc bag. So it's anyway. I'm your agent. We'll talk about the money later. We'll talk about it later. Eh? How um, how much do you bench? Uh, you know what? I really haven't benched that much in a while. Uh-huh. But you know, a month ago I was benching uh, two thirty five for around like six reps. That is very impressive. Now you know, <laughs> yeah, that's the air horn. If you didn't hear that, Brock, you give it again. I cut you off. <laughs> so when we talk about in the in the weightlifting world when you can bench press uh your body weight for one rep it's it's exceptional you are doing 150 percent of your body weight probably what what are you what are you weighing in now 
Uh, right now, I'm around 185 to 190. I'm around that range. So you're doing f- almost 50 pounds more than your body weight for how many reps? Uh, six reps. Six, yeah. yeah, around well, six. Brock, you can go ahead and uh, give that air horn again. Oh, <laughs> that's pretty good, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, is, that is exceptional. Uh, wow. I saw a video of you. It was. Uh, it must have been probably a little bit less than two twenty-five or two thirty-five. Uh, that you pumped out for, and I, I, I didn't. When Gord told me about it, Gord and I were having a bite to eat uh, one night, and he had told me about this, and I said, "Well, that's pretty interesting." And I mean, 80, 80 repetitions of anything is remarkable. I'm like, okay, well, he goes, no, no, he he bench pressed eighty repetitions at a at a would have been about half your body weight. Yep, half my body weight. Yeah, around eighty-four times. Yeah. I uh, so I saw the video, and by rep seventy, I even my pecs were starting to explode. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was seeing. That is remarkable at any age to be able Thanks. to do that. Uh, the muscular endurance required for that. For I mean, that is insane. How did you? Yeah. Were your was your chest on fire after that? Oh or, yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy. I don't know how I did. It. I just didn't feel it, so I guess that just helped me keep going. It was just yeah, that was insane. That was Brock, I don't know. that was crazy. Brock, have you ever lifted anything for more than twenty reps? Like I know that's probably my max for for things in, in the in the gym. Uh, I have, but just now, like even <laughs> counting to eighty would probably be <laughs> right. Like just 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 think of it. Like when was the last time you would have just counted to eighty? Never, <laughs> never, never. No, if I had money, maybe like <laughs> enough. Let alone yeah. try to push weight. Yeah, that's, yeah, it was an insane video. I, it, I, if it's still out there, I'm not sure where it is. Probably in a vault somewhere. But um, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, these are the things you need to release as you're getting close to draft day. You need to release these kind of social media gems. Well, I think you're they're right. there. I think they're there. I think that's the that's the plan. But uh, Brock, and if you have anything you want to add to this, I know you had some technical difficulties, and we apologize for that to our listeners. But that's uh, sometimes that's what happens with live radio. Um, we we figured it out. We're back on the ice. Yeah, exactly. We are back on the ice, sounding better. So that's good. We find out what the issue was. Our uh, producer Mike is set up, so he's probably not hardwired in. Anyway, this will hopefully be all that of the past when we start getting together in person to do these things. Exactly. But uh, no, I think basically, you know, what would be the one thing that you would be wanting to tell? Like, I know you're only 16, but it's hard for me to talk to you like you're a 16 year old because sounds like a man. Because you sound like a man. I mean, the last time I saw you was it was during COVID. We had rented some ice. Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out playing goalie because I got goalie stuff. I'm like, I want to like practice. And uh, so, out of sympathy, and I think. some some care on Gord's part. He said, you know what? We're going to go humor this big dummy. <laughs> and, uh, we show up and you're walking around with a Red Blacks t-shirt on. And I thought you were uh, <laughs> the guy Moten. Remember the guy, uh, the big defensive lineman for the Red Blacks forever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it was him at first. <laughs> and he's like, that's Isaiah. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> get on the ice and I can still see, like even through the video, I can see you staring at my blocker side because <laughs> Totally destroyed it on multiple occasions, and yeah. basically I hung up the skates after that. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Monster. But again, as a 16-year-old, what would you want to say to you know the 12-year-old who's you know following your footsteps? You know, somebody uh, of uh, uh, of color who's playing hockey or is facing some some challenges through this 
this sport. And I know there's a lot of people who've sort of have helped lead the way for guys like you to come through, like, you know, a, a friend of mine, Peter Worrell, who played for the whole Olympics back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that was 20 plus years ago, but guys like that who have come through again, he's nowhere near as skilled as you are, but he had a place in that game. And, you know, so now what would you then talk say to somebody who's four or five years from where you are um, and coming through, like what kind of uh, knowledge can you pass down to them or what advice would you give them? Uh, first is obviously, you know, as everyone would say, just work really hard, you know, like for me, I, uh, I was sometimes, you know, not always looked at as the top player, even though numbers could have said I was at the, you know, just like just to work hard. So you're unquestionably, you know, able to be put on the ice at certain times or seen as a top player or get a leadership role, like get a letter or something like that. Um, so work hard, you know, definitely persevere, try and not, you know, stress about the little microaggressions that come along the way of playing as a color player, just, you know, stay focused, have tunnel vision, you know, just try and persevere and get as far as you can as possible. And, you know, um, the last thing I'd say is just to be confident. I mean, I feel when I was younger, confidence, I didn't have the most confidence in myself because, you know, of a lot of different things, but being confident is honestly like super, super important. Just, you know, uh, just to help you improve as a player and just do the best that you can do. Just, you know, being confident is, is just huge. Well, and I, he's 16. Sorry, Pep. He's yeah. 16, but you are telling a message that would have resonated with me. Like now, if I go back and I look at all the issues I had, confidence would be the number one issue I had mm-hmm. through my whole sports thing. And that was the biggest hurdle I've ever had. So for you to bring that up and understand that at this age, mm. it's paramount. And just on that alone, you know, I mean, your athletic gifts are obviously great too but that alone is a measurement that i know you're going to be very successful in the future um and i think that's a great message sorry pep to cut you yeah now i was just going to say something very similar in that everybody you know you're going to reach a level uh, a lot of players do football basketball hockey no matter what sport the really the elite players who uh, who are playing in the younger younger levels they reach a point where they get to try out for a team where everybody's as good as them and then the coaches have to make a decision, right? Tough decisions. Okay. Well, what's the first thing they're going to look at is character, is hard work. Um, can they trust this player? What's he like off the ice? You know, what's his family like? I mean, there's a lot of factors. And you check all the boxes off. So if anybody from the OHL or NCAA watches uh, our show today, and this show gets out to a lot of people, um, I know this young man personally. I know his family, and uh, I mean, it's can't you can't miss. You can't miss with a kid like this. You can't miss talent, charisma, personality, trustworthy, hardworking, good in school. I mean, what more do you want? So, uh, Brock, I, I gotta tell you, I am I was ecstatic to have him on the show. I, I'm proud to call you a friend, and I'm also proud to be your agent. Yeah, and we'll talk like a friend and a client. We will talk money soon. We will talk Very money soon. soon. But uh, I did want to thank you for coming on the show. And once again, sorry for the uh, technical difficulties early on, but uh, we we got it settled. So, thank you hey, so much, Daniel. Quickly, what's your what are your grades like? Not well, my grades are honestly my grades have gone a lot better this year. We've uh, we've since we've uh, you know because of COVID, we have two different cohorts, so we're on one day, off one day, on one day. So that's really helped my grades. So uh, they've, been looking, they've been looking pretty good lately. All right, because I got a pipeline. Colgate's a pretty good hockey school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. There you go. You know, right. and exactly. hey, I played with a guy. 
actually African-American. Uh, Brian mm -hmm. Owens played hockey and football at Colgate together. Yeah. It's really? Cool. Yeah. You want to broaden your horizons? Academics, athletics, <sighs> hockey and football? That's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> I got you. That's I'll talk. Cool. I'll talk to Brock about that, Isaiah, and I'll pass on the information to, to your uh, to your people. <laughs> you. You're cut out now. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Hey, thanks a lot for coming in. That's Thank amazing. You. Um, you know, everybody's following. Make sure you guys follow that OHL draft. Let's see where where you end up, and then decisions will be made. But mm -hmm. uh, you got obviously a great uh, great surrounding supporting cast. Um, and you know, again, reach out to either of us to Yahoo's if you got any other questions that can't be answered. Absolutely, uh, by those that you have, and uh, we got some experiences that uh, might come in handy. Anyway, again, reach out if you need to. But thanks again for showing up and uh, suffering through some of those technical difficulties. As well. <laughs> no, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I'll see you this summer, my friend. Oh, of course. Of okay. Course. All right. See you guys. Yeah, thanks again. Care. What a kid! Oh man, he's. You know, I was at Gord's last summer for a swim, and uh, he. So I said, "Hey, where's Isaiah?" Because it was COVID, and they were still at home. And he's like, "He's at the gym." I said, "It's." Uh, it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. I said, "What?" So yeah, he's at the. He works out twice a day. I said, "Like uh, on purpose, or like is it just?" He said, "No, he, the kid loves working out. He like he just loves to work out. He loves to train." And um, it's just a really great thing to see. Anyway, he popped in and he's one of those kids. It's like, I said, hey, Isaiah, how's it going? He goes, fine, sir. How are you, sir? Like, he, he's that kid, right? P manners, polite, just, yeah, what you want your kids to be, basically. And he talks about confidence. It's confidence, not arrogance. Yeah. And he does it to perfection. I like that. What'd you say? Confidence, not arrogance. Confidence, not arrogance. Did you just coin that phrase? Is that something you read? Is that a Brock Fleming exclusive? <laughs> I want to thank our executive producer Mike for leaving because uh, it's been uh, it's been good since he's got... what was his um, what was it what was going on in there? So, long story short, folks, the technical difficulties we were having was based on the fact that maybe something on Mike's end just wasn't clicking. We miss him because he's super helpful. But yeah, uh, you can actually, go and find out on Facebook who somebody put a quote in. If uh, I don't have their stuff. Like their name yeah. and everything, but yeah. he'd also keep us on track and keep everything together. So yeah, again, I've, now I'm trying to like work it on my end uh, to get through it, which we will. But um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know what happened. I think Brock, we let's uh, producer account, so maybe that's what it was, and he just didn't have good internet. Who knows? That must be it. Let's um, let's quickly shout out the wheel deal again. I know uh, um, we've already done it, but you know what? We want to. He, he is our official sponsor for today's show, and. Uh, the wheel deal providing us uh, great service this week. You know, complete auto service. Uh, if you need anything done, you just call 613-799-6014 and Hashem will take care of you. They're on 36 Bentley. Brock, what would you define that as? What, uh, Ottawa South? No. Uh, no. Uh, West? Bentley is kind of, yeah, Ottawa West. It's like um, Hunt Club and Maryville area. Hunt Club and Maryville area. Ottawa West. Great little place. All right. Well, I'm, man, I'm on when I feel like there needed to be some sort of music. So I put that in there. You know what? That Isaiah interview got me. I, I've been on such a hockey downer. I mean, watching the, the Leafs and Habs, I actually fell asleep last night to it. It was the uh, Montreal could not generate any offense at all uh, there. It's a late tip off or a late uh, puck drop. Sorry, which is nice. We're not going to miss too much of the game. A um, couple of major league uh, 
series ended this week, Brock, I wanted to get your opinion on what, what you thought was a bigger disappointment. The Oilers getting swept by the Jets, which I mean, I'm, I shocked me, or uh, the Caps losing 4-1 to Boston? Uh, the Oilers losing uh, to the Jets at a sweep was more of a shock to me. I mean, the Oilers were, I mean, what's their problem? One of the best players in the world playing, and they shut him out the first game. As soon as they lost, a, a blew a 4 1 lead in the third period of game three, you knew it was over anyway. But I don't know. Hellebuck has played very well. You know, playoff. Playoff hockey is a tighter brand of hockey. Yep. That's just what it is. And the <laughs> Oilers play a pretty open style. They're flying when when McC- when McDavid's out there and they're all and uh, Drysidle, like they're they're all over the place. But it, in the playoffs, again, I'm not exactly sure how that happens. How do you how can you have such a wide open game at some points and then have the other team adjust so um so well in the playoffs to kind of keep things tight but they did that and you know winnipeg just sort of dominated them except for the 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 lead that the edmonton had in in game three where i thought actually i turned it off because i thought they were going to win fairly easily i said okay here's the series again um you know i thought winnipeg played very well yeah i uh you know hockey is probably the only sport where the first round is a real toss up for some series. Like every year we see it Tampa Bay losing to Columbus one year, then they lost to uh the Leafs lost to Columbus one year after finishing first. Like there was we always see that sort of a first round uh, one or two usually from each conference a, a bit of a what I would call an upset. But I thought the Caps were are built were built to win now. And uh them losing 4-1 to Boston in the fashion that they lost I mean, it says a lot to Boston. I got to give kudos to Boston for every year they're a perennial cup contender. But picking up Taylor Hall at the at the deadline, oh, yeah. I thought was really good. I mean, this guy, this guy is a good player, and he was playing in a, on a bad team in uh, in Buffalo where everybody wanted out, and the team morale and the energy was just not there. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta consider that a pretty big upset. Uh, yeah, I mean. Did something happen to like the the Caps goalie pulled something in game one? I don't know if you saw Kelly Rudy go off on him pulling a muscle. He was like, you know, goalies, you can get a lot of injuries and stuff, but the one thing that you cannot do <clears throat> pull a muscle. Your whole job is to be flexible and stretched yep. and warmed and everything. Yep. There is no excuse for you pulling a muscle as a goalie. Hmm. Um that being said, I did play nets for a couple of things, and I pulled about every muscle in my body. <laughs> but he's done it before, and he was very adamant about it. So I think I don't know if that played into it because it was it was Craig Anderson afterwards, who I you know again I think is decent um, and hold his own, but he's not necessarily as good. So that might have had something to do with it. Um, but I mean, Boston, Boston is Boston, and if you give them sort of an inch, they'll take a mile. Yeah. Look at the Leafs. They were up, what, four goals, and they gave them a goal. And then it was that was over. And Boston just, you know, it's one of those teams where it's a culture of winning. Like, Did they pick so up they, somebody else right at the deadline, too? I, I feel like they picked up a couple of guys, but, you know, it's, uh, there, was, there was a lot of movement this year at the deadline. You know, the, it, this was a weird year, too, with the COVID and a shortened season. And, you know, some teams ke- getting COVID through the locker room and having to play a bunch of games. I think it worked out okay for Boston. Of, of all the teams, I don't think they had any issues. So, 
uh, worked out well for them. Have you watched any of this Montreal? I know we talked about it in the opening, but have you watched any of this Montreal Toronto series? Yeah. And, and your thoughts on it is boring, exciting. Um, does it, 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 does Montreal look as slow as I feel like they look like? Yeah. Uh, like I said in the opening, I think the Leafs have given everything to the Habs other than game one, which again, when you see your captain go down and it's a scary injury, he's a friend, all that kind of stuff. I think that that sucks the life out of you. No fan deflated them. Yeah. Everything out. And then Montreal (laughs) won that game. Great. Once he was deemed to be okay, he wasn't, um, you know, all the injuries were not downplayed, but uh, were addressed. I think that, allowed the rest of the team or the Leafs to kind of regain their composure and say, okay, you know, he's going to be fine. Let's go out and play. Um, And yeah, I did watch the games. I didn't sit there and I was on the edge of my seat as I would normally be for a hockey playoff kind of situation. I think that has to do with the fans. Um, But for the most part, they were fairly tight games too. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if you just look at the actual resume of the plays that happened in those games, it should be more excited. I should be more excited than I was when I was watching it. Well, I'll tell you right now, in the, in the last two minutes, there's been a breakaway for Spezza, and he 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 didn't score. It was he was just one on one with with Price. We'll try to go five hole. And as I turn my head to the left here, uh, Marner and somebody else were on a two on one, and Marner took a shot, and Price Price has just basically just kept them in the game within the first minute and a half here. Montreal's defense is is just uh, th- to say they're overrated would be an insult to overrated. Like I like Weber. Weber's a tank. Weber's a hitting machine. He's got a cannon. But the rest of those guys are really just they're third third line pairings for most other teams. And uh, I don't and th- the fact that Montreal is sitting the ro- this Romanov kid who was a hitting machine all year. The fact that they traded Drouin for Sergachev I think is really like it, it's painful to talk about because we as we all know Drouin isn't even in the lineup. So, you know, I think I think Bergy has to take some of the responsibility for how this team is constructed. And the way they were constructed, Brock, suited uh, Claude Julien's style. Then they fire him after starting like 7-0 and or whatever the season was. They fire him after some adversity and bring in this kid, Ducharme, who has really been unimpressive. I'll be honest with you. He, he kind of has the mold of Sheldon Keefe, like... Um, that young sort of young guy with some dynamic thoughts or whatever, whatever, however you want to describe it. It hasn't worked as a Habs fan. Who's watched a few of the games recently. It, I just feel like it hasn't worked. Maybe I'm not giving him enough time, but your thoughts on making a coaching change that quickly for a guy like Julien, um, did it affect the Habs in a positive or negative way? Uh, how it affect the Habs is sort of, um, I, I can't really answer that as to whether it was positive or negative. The fact that most coaching changes comes from pressure from the outside a lot of it. Um, and I think that, you know, the, Montreal, so who was feeling the pressure? Burgundy? Burgundy was feeling the pressure to make that move? I would say so. I think, you know, like, I think a lot of times it comes from fan base and media and all that kind of stuff too, as to like needing a change, needing to refresh the blood and coach is always the first one to go and say you know what if we can just change that then we can move forward it's just like you know if somebody talks about um uh, what's the gm for the leafs name again oh dubis dubis okay dubis you know so you say we give you this kind of team if the leafs lose this one dubis has got to be out you say what what more can he do 
from a, a GM standpoint of saying, how many more pieces can I actually give you? Absolutely. You can't put the puzzle together. Yep. That's, not, that's not on me. I'm giving you all these pieces. So it's usually going to be the coach that would say, okay, you know what? We're going to change that. So I don't know. I just think there's a, a lot of pressure for um, appeasing fans, appeasing media uh, of making decisions maybe preemptive and you know julian is a guy who's had a pretty good track record uh well we talked about the whole olympics back in the day i'm pretty sure julian was the coach at that point too um you know he, he has a winning pedigree and uh, a french guy in that sort of market you'd like to see him get a little bit more rope uh i guess in those kind of situations but you know that you got guys sitting in the wings other guys waiting to step up you get pressure from media fans whatever and you make those choices it's just i don't know and i was i was supportive of the move from a from a perspective of like they, they looked like they were they were not listening i think that his voice had gotten old as just going into his third full season yeah um i but I, it was the hire i think that upset me most as a fan i i didn't never i never heard of dominic ducharme okay just juniors at the time yeah, I mean, okay, I, I see. I I was unaware of that. I mean, I probably knew that at the time, but I just as a as a Montreal uh, minor league coach, I mean, he's coached too. He's coached Suzuki for a little bit. They picked up Suzuki in a trade, and he basically was in the lineup right away. So he barely coached Suzuki. He might have coached Kutkaniemia for a couple of years while he was down there. But who else? All the rest of the guys are veterans who've pl- who've never played for him. So he comes up. I mean, does he have control of the locker room? Does he have that kind of personality? I mean, is is Shea Weber going to listen to the Dominic Charm? I mean, it just the, it didn't make a lot of sense to bring in a young guy like that when you've got not necessarily a young team. Like Josh Anderson isn't from there, um, you know. Uh, Tofoli's a veteran guy from the from the exterior. None of these guys ever played for him before. So, like, I just Keith made more sense because the whole because the Leafs young brass played for him in the minors, so that made a little bit more sense. No, yes and no. I mean. If there's a if if you're a voice in the younger one in the minor league system and then you move to the top, like unless it was a real good relationship at that point, then that relationship's gonna carry over. So if you don't have the locker room, let's say as a as the minor league, and then you you go to the the majors, it's it's not gonna change. Sometimes having somebody who has no connection to anybody in that mm. locker room necessarily okay. is, a, is a, a fresh voice. Everybody's starting from scratch. It's not Oh well, I know this guy. I know him. I played for him last year down there. This okay. guy doesn't. Whatever. It's like, hey, we're a team. We have a new captain, and he's the guy that's leading this ship, sort of thing. Fair. Um, comment from uh, Mike Frere saying that he thinks that Muller would have been given a shot at the head coaching spot if he spoke French. Oh, Not- interesting. Well, I'll tell you. Good spot. Well, you know what? I don't know. So let me uh, just to Mike's been pushing for Muller to get a head coaching job for years, uh, it, and it wasn't just in Montreal. Mike, you're a huge fan of Kurt Muller. I know that. I know that from knowing you all these years. Um, would is Kurt Muller a good head coach? He had a taste of it last year when uh, Julien was out for the playoffs. With uh, I think he had a bit of a heart issue there. Um, he, he's had his opportunities. I mean, he's a great name, right? He's a great name. He's got a lot of history with the Habs and the Cup and the you know the trade for. I, I get it, but I, I don't know if he's a good fit either. I mean, he's been there for a long time as assistant, and they and he was in charge of, I believe, the power player, the pen, or the penalty kill, one of the two, and they were what like always ranking bottom of the league. So I mean, I don't know. Anyway, mo- look, moving forward, another series that ended. Colorado swept St. Louis. 
Um, Nazem Kadri suspended eight games for a, a hit. This guy's a repeat. He's becoming a repeat offender. I, you know what? The, my thing with Kadri, I don't think he knows what kind of player he is. I don't think he understands how quite how skilled he actually is, and he doesn't need to do these things. That was a comp- that was a clear headshot. Um, did you see the hit? Number one, number two. What do you think of the player? Uh, I didn't see the shot, um, but as a player, the way you define him right there was probably spot on because even when his time with Toronto, I felt like he was kind of trying to play a role that was outside of his skill set, mm-hmm. um, forcing that like. I'm not instigator, but just kind of like an agitator a little bit mm-hmm. and, and taking those cheap shots where he did have a lot of talent. And I don't know if it was overshadowed um, or if there's too much pressure in Toronto. So I felt, okay, you know, a, a guy who was trying to, cause when he was coming in Toronto, he was very much kind of, is he going to be in the lineup? Is he not like, where does he fit in? And he was trying to, I could see him trying to work and, and make a statement of saying, I got to be in the lineup in some sort of facet. Fine. I kind of got that, but maybe that's just, he's transcended his game because of that. And he hasn't really adapted, but you're right. He, he's a very skilled player that doesn't oh, need to be doing that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And you know, he skills never been, the, I don't think skills ever been the issue, even in Toronto. He like, people knew how skilled he was, but just, just leave the grease to the greasers. Like I, I just didn't make a lot of sense to me. The, and he had a good season in Colorado last year. I think, you know, that was, I, everybody thought, okay, it's a good fit. And then, you know, he, you regress when you do these things. So anyway, He's going. I believe he's going to um, uh, combat the the call. I mean, I, he's going. The, him and his team. Him and his brass. Yeah. The, the, the word slips my mind. He's going to appeal. The appeal. Decision. Combat. What am I talking about? It's yeah. getting late, gang. It's getting late. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to fight anybody for. It. He's going to appeal it. And uh, I think during the, the appeal, you have ever seen you like not know a word. Like, ah, like loser. I'm, I've had I've gotten way too much sun in the last three four days, and uh, it's starting to affect my vocab. So forgive me. Uh, there, you know, there's other series going on. Islanders three two up on Pittsburgh after uh, Pittsburgh's goalie big gaff last night. But uh, th- listen, that's that series is going seven if you ask me. Um, Nobody when they talk about uh, McDavid being the best in the world and stuff, don't count Sidney Crosby out for mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff. I had a video queued up. I took it off in case it was part of the problem with their technical stuff, but just the plays in this series alone from a defensive standpoint shows what kind of player this guy is, where mm-hmm. he's jumping over goalies and stopping a goal with his stick, mm-hmm. or he's uh, you know finding the, the wide open man and able to dive and get a stick on the puck mm-hmm. instead of a guy having a, ga- a gaping cage. Like Sidney Crosby is a gamer, and he's still and probably will always be one of my favorite hockey players, but he's still got it. He may not be, you know, as flashy as he used to be, but um, his awareness on the ice is as good as anybody's. Mm. Yeah, I have to agree. And, you know, like that, I saw that. I know the play you're talking about. And, you know, I think Sid, the kid knows, like, the window in Pittsburgh, uh, although he's still playing at a high level, the window with him and Malkin is starting to close, if it hasn't totally closed. So, you know, he knows he's got to do everything he can to get out of this first round. And once once a veteran team like that makes it to the second, third round, it's it's who knows. But I think uh, I think they you picked know, up somebody at the deadline. And that's what I was thinking, not Boston. It was them picking up Jeff Carter. Great little pickup. Carter has a history yeah. of uh, liking the party. I know uh, it, it was tough not to in L.A. when you're playing in L.A., but uh, great pickup, good hands, good goal scorer. I mean, that's, you know. But veteran guy. In the net. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Vegas up 3-2 on mini. That's, uh, that, that series started, I think, 2-0 mini. So good on Vegas to come back. Vegas 
is a really solid all-around team. Carolina, 2-2 with Nashville. I couldn't believe Nashville came back. I mean, Carolina is the best team in the NHL uh, on record. Um, but Nashville is one of those veteran teams that kind of been there, you know, was under the radar most of the year. I think they just squeaked into the playoffs. But that's a team with a lot of guys who have playoff experience. You know, Duchesne's starting to play well. Um, they still have all those all those guys. Ellis is on the back end. Um, wow. I, fans, packed house. Yeah. Juan, one of my favorite old linemen. Drinking, uh, yeah. Pounding the beers <laughs> yeah. with his daughter next to him and whatever. Like, getting the crowd ramped up. Yeah, hey, that's a feel-good story. You need some, especially now, like, you got to say, if you had fans like this all the time, you know, does it start to get, um, you know, can you block it out? You know, you start saying, I'm so used to it that I don't really hear the fans. I don't whatever. Yeah. You go for a whole season with nobody, crickets in that rink, and then you say, you know what, it's playoff time and we got a packed house. I don't care what or how many years you played in the NHL. I guarantee you that gets you pumped up way more than it did back in the day. It's like Absolutely. Baby. Oh, absolutely. So, good on them. Those are home games. Those are big wins for, for that team. We got Tampa Bay with a three-two lead over Florida. Uh, again, Florida, I believe, was higher in the standings. This is a this is a good series. Uh, it's by no means over, but Tampa is a Tampa is a well-coached team. Again, another veteran team, like you said uh, on the podcast Stammer, last week. Yep. Stammer on the one wing and Kucherov, and you know, uh, goal t- all world goaltender. So you know, they got all the pieces. Of course, they have Hedman and my guy Sergachev. Oh man, I, how good! How good would he look in Montreal right now with Romanov and and Weber? Oh, and Petrie. Uh, that was a bad. That's got to be up there with some of the worst trades in Montreal history. Maybe next week we'll do a top ten worst trades in Canadian hockey teams history. All right, that, that'd be a good one. But anyway, we don't do that this week. But um, I, I'm starting to get into it. You know, Matt Putvey and Troy from last week got me going a little bit in the, into hockey playoffs and. Uh, there's, I'm starting to make the turn. I'm starting to make the turn. I'm not fully invested yet, but uh, uh, I'm I'm getting there. Montreal, Toronto does help. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was. This is uh, actually it was just the first time since '90. Like there was an opportunity back in '93. <laughs> the Leafs had got beat by Wayne Gretzky's cheating, um, and then ended up <laughs> playing the Habs in the finals. But it would have been Toronto, Montreal, and the yeah. Finals that point, I remember thinking how big that would be in this area because there were no senators at the time. Um, that would have been huge. This is the first, like, they Montreal and Toronto haven't played each other in the playoffs since then, right? Because they since 79, yeah, okay. So, yeah, yeah I should. Hey, all right, I'm already more excited again for it. Yeah, yeah. you know, you yeah. see the, the historical relevance of it, but oh, for uh, sure, this is helping uh, get the excitement from hockey for sure. But seeing fans down the states like that's just it we got to do something here we got to start opening up uh you know if montreal is going to get 2500 people if they make it to that game great let's uh let's start get people back into arenas already i was hoping that the nhl would have done a um if they would have separated the north once playoff came around because as a Canadian teams fan overall, I mean, I, don't, I may not like Vancouver, but I'm going to cheer for Vancouver over any American team if I'm watching hockey. I want to see the Canadian teams go as far as possible before they play each other. So, I would, yes, I love the fact that Montreal and Toronto are playing, but I would have liked to see it in the third round or in the conference finals yeah. rather than one of these teams be eliminated right away 
And now we're down to two Canadian teams rather than potentially five or six if everybody was eligible. So that's where that's my only issue with with this setup right now. Uh, but I, I'm with you 100 percent with uh, with yeah with uh, it getting uh, excitement. Uh, I'm starting to make the turn. Um, we're we are. I can't believe how much how time flew. Uh, Isaiah was a great guest. Um, we only had him pegged for 15, 20 minutes. We could have talked another 30 minutes uh, with that young man. So, in all fairness, when you have a 16 year old come on to the show, you don't know. You expect a 10 to 15 minute conversation. Um, you know, probably shorter answers. Yeah. It's just that's just what you expect as a 16 year old. Yeah. It's, it's not a, a huge conversationalist generally. Yeah. Isaiah is so well spoken and had act like real good thought out answers and takes on things that we definitely could have gone way longer with him. And I feel like we should have him on after he gets drafted. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna have to check his passport. I am not convinced he's 16. Yeah, I don't know. I think he, uh, yeah, does he have uh, one of those uh, Little League World Series championships? Yeah. That's right. Starting pitcher for the under nine team. He's Miguel Tejada. That's exactly it. Yeah, wasn't that? Did Albert Pujols get uh, accused of being? He did. I think he, I think he is legit, whatever he is. But uh, Miguel Tejada was the one who was. I think he was sitting with Jim Gray, and they asked him where, how old he was, and where he was born. He got up and left. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that question. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> He's got his fingers out trying to uh, forget. Uh, I, I should go. Um, look, we were going to talk Jays, uh, but you know what? It, there's not a lot to talk about. They've lost five in a row. They're down to 500 again, 23 and 23. And, uh, you know, they're, they've called up Alec Manoa, who I've been, you and I have been talking about for months about how good this kid looks in the minors. A little quick to call him up, but his first start's going to be in the Bronx. Just a quick, Brock. What do you think about that? Uh, mistake. Uh, uh don't you can't. Uh, it's too young. As much as we want to see him up, man, going from these minor league hitters to the Yankees, who are also on like a seven game win streak, I think, right now. Yeah. It's like they are a hot Yankees mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. You're going to bring this kid up and throw him right in there. I know we're struggling. We got some injuries. We're having some real ugly bullpen outings mm. and like games that are just slipping through our fingers. Mm. The offense is there. You're putting up seven runs and you're losing 14 7 in extra mm. innings. Like mm-hmm. these are things that are just, it's painful to watch and very frustrating. I think to bring a kid like that who's got all the potential in the world, you got to put him into a situation that is good for his confidence and Mm. for his first start. I always think of the Ottawa Senators and Alexandre Degg, and I think how you handle these guys when they first get to the pros is going to almost dictate the rest of their career. Potentially. Absolutely. Come in, get destroyed, get sent back down. And like, we've already talked about him for months. Like there's a lot of expectations for this kid Mm -hmm. and pressure on him. And if he comes up, and disappoints game one, like that even can affect him. Like, you know what? He's young and we'll give him time, whatever. That's going to affect his confidence. And Isaiah yep. brought it up. Confidence is the biggest thing. Absolutely. And, you know, so you need to give him an opportunity to be to pitch in a game where it's winnable. He can get his confidence up. Maybe it's a shorter uh, outing, pitch count, whatever it happens to be. 
But I really think getting a start against the Yankees is number one is going to be tough. Now, if he proves me wrong and he goes out and, and again, you go out and say you dominate the, the Yankees and win the game, then, you know, your confidence should be sky high. But well, the odds aren't great. Well, you put, yeah, I like what I like what you say there, and I, you know, you maybe you maybe you you calculated a bit more, and you put him against a team that has a lineup that he's faced in the minors in the last couple of years with a young team like uh, I don't know, like Baltimore. Maybe he's faced some of those guys in the minors where there's some familiarity there. On the flip side, supposedly, scouts have gone down and watched his last three outings where he struck out 10, 12, 10, 12, whatever it's been, and um, they they're really keen on this guy. They think he can actually. And, and on top of that, they're desperate. They need they need starting pitching. They don't have yeah. any right now, so they're desperate. So he he kind of fills a need on all levels. But I will say this: the Tampa Bay Rays do not bring up any guys until they are one hundred percent certain the player can stay on the roster. So, like if you look at Toronto, they're constantly optioning guys up and down, up and down all the time, and they until they run out of options. Tampa Bay does the complete opposite. They don't bring a guy up ever until they are like 110% sure that he's sticking with the ball club. And if you look at their team, every time I watch Tampa Bay, they have the same damn lineup. You ever notice that when you watch Tampa? Outside yeah. of maybe the catcher? Well, we just saw that uh, shortstop make his professional series debut for Tampa. That wall kid? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, he, he's, he was great. He was great, but and he's there to stick. And they traded Willie Adamas to get him. So, I mean, that's that is just... That's how they operate, and I'm not saying it's better than any other team's strategy, but I kind of like it. I'm like, oh, they're 100 percent sure we're not, we're not going to bring him, bring this kid up, only to send him back down 50 times. So I, I like that strategy. Man, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm excited to see him pitch. That's all I got to say. He's a he's a presence. Definitely, definitely going to tune in to watch it. Yeah, and he's a big kid, so looking forward to it. Anyway, right. producer Mike just made a comment that he's only pitched professionally this year. That's right. That's right. He was in a ball last year. Which is crazy. Yeah. So think of that jump. And, you know, if Tampa does things a little bit differently, I noticed that this week because they win games uh, after the eighth inning and the Jays don't. 11-game uh, win streak for Tampa, and they, they know how to grind out wins, and they know what they're doing over there. Yeah. Uh, it was such a frustrating four or five-game uh, stint for the Jays. Hey, that, that was a – Brock, we talked about it. Those two big series, Boston and Tampa. Monster. You know, you know, they and they we said we're gonna know what the Jays are maybe after this series is done. Then they gotta play the Yankees. But like they took one out of three in Boston. And I thought, okay, at least they'll take one out of four from Tampa and stay above five hundred. But you know, to get swept by the Rays, and they were all winnable games, they were all close games. They were so, leading most of the games. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, you got I mean anyway, you gotta take something positive out of it. The fact that they were close games and that they're still above five hundred. So Back hang in there. The series in Florida. Move, get out of there. That was the other thing that was irritating. Is, is watching the Jays' home game, nah. having the bases loaded and guys getting walked in for the Rays and the place mm -hmm. going nuts because they're in yeah. Florida. Get out of Florida. Go to Buffalo. Well, it's it's, it's a kitty no ballpark too. Pens in Buffalo. Nobody liked playing there. Pitchers and hitters hated it. The wind is blowing. It's unpredictable. Yeah. Um, the sight lines are terrible. There's uh, When you're playing outfield, it's like – it's not a slow, gradual shadow. It's like blinding sun and then shadow. And how many balls do we see go over guys' heads? And it was oh, yeah. awful. They, the players could not get out of there any faster, eh? So uh, how about Vladdy? 15 Vladdy. jacks. He's batting 333 in the, through the month of April and May. Uh, 39 RBI, which suggests that 
the two guys in front of him need to start getting on base a little bit more. And I'm talking to you, uh, Bichette. Um, yeah. You like what you've seen out of Bichette this year? Uh, Bichette hasn't hit his stride yet. Um, I find he's still, uh, I don't know. I find his eye is not quite as good as it was last year. Like he's swinging at stuff that's outside the zone. Um, I, again, I don't hate on Bichette by any means. I just feel like there's, there's more there that he needs to bring. Vladdy is so dialed in right now. I, Simeon was a great pickup. Uh, so I like, yeah, I love Simeon. I think he's actually going to be really good for Bichette. And with that pairing and, and, at one point, they had the most double uh, plays, I think, in the league, which yeah. you know attributes to their relationship. But at the plate, I find Bichette's um, not the same as he used to be, or he's just a bit of a slump, I guess, more than anything. But Vladdy's dialed in. Like he, did, he just hit number sixteen tonight, according to Mike. Vladdy did. Yeah, he just hit another homer, so he's now he's got to be over three thirty three and sixteen jacks and forty RBI, unless it was a, uh, unless there were guys on base that uh, when Springer comes in. And he, he's going to lead off. There's no question about it. It's a two-run shot, so now he's got 41 ribs. Great job. Um, Springer, Bichette, do you slide Vladdy one one player down, one slot down so he can have more opportunities to get RBIs, or do you keep him in that third slot? Uh, I would always – well, I would like to see him slip down to four, but they got the Teoscar in there right now, right? Right. You know, who's all right? I guess I, it's yeah, about protection, right? Wanna, yeah, I would. Yeah, that's a tough call. I guess it depends on who would be in in five, right? I mean, probably looking at. I mean, you're probably looking at either Lourdes Grichik or or Biggio. Um, you know, I, I really, I really ho- wish they would have addressed the catcher situation. Not, not so much the uh, uh, Simeon, right? Simeon's going to have to drop down. Simeon would go to five, which would be good because Simeon's a I home run hitter. Great. He's more yeah. of a home run hitter than he is an on-base hitter. I think that would be a really good good call. Mike, our producer yeah. in the in the back room, bringing the heat. Bringing the absolute that, heat. Again, you, you have Vladdy behind Teoscar now in that sort of setup. I think that that makes pitchers go right at him a little bit more aggressively, which, again, he can make them pay pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and then if you have Simeon behind Vladdy too, then that's the uh, same type of thing where you know they have decision to make. Do they want to face Vladdy or do they want to face Simeon? He's been pretty hot. I don't know. Once Springer gets in the lineup, you know, you're talking seven, eight guys that are dangerous and then a yeah. catcher, you know? Yeah. I liked what I've seen out of Reese McGuire, by the way. I know we've been really hard on him and the jokes yeah. and this and that, but he's come in, he's been professional, he's thrown a couple of guys out from his knees, which yeah, is pretty great. amazing. Um, so, but again, is he the answer? Is the answer is, are him and Jansen the answer? The right lefty combo? I don't know. Alejandro Kirk is a good catcher. He's got good pop, but he can't run the bases without getting hurt. And, uh, that's where he's going to run into some issues. Um, which actually he was just running the first when he got hurt and he's been on the DL for, he's on the 60 day DL. So we're going to see what happens. Trade deadline. I mean, they got to, you know, got to make some consideration here for upgrading the catcher position. The catcher can be an upgraded position. I don't think it's detrimental to the team. I think they need to figure out getting guys uh, pitching healthy. Yeah. Uh, maybe, you know, a, a few more guys in rotation. Guys can go a bit deeper and not keep going to the bullpen so quickly. 
Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing right now. And that would be the priority that I would want to go with versus the upgrade, the catching position. Yeah. We talked about that, about last year's sprint to the 60 games and what happened at the end, the bullpen burned out after 60 games. So, you know, what, what are we out? What are we now? It's uh, the 23, 23. So we're 46 games in and we're, we're starting to see the bullpen wear out a little bit, you know, injuries, and we're not even at the halfway point. So uh, that's a concern for me is not so much their effectiveness. I think the bullpen's pitch pretty good. Um, but the injuries, the up and down, the overuse, the, you know, the starters going four and a half, and then you're bringing in a, a, a bullpen game from there. I just, I still believe in the traditional starter giving you six to seven, and then you go set up, set up, closer. You know what I mean? Yeah. The seven, eight, nine. That was yeah. the new way of doing it. It used to be all the way to eight, and then you just bring in the closer. But Kansas City Royals, baby. They're... If they're there, they, that's what it is. But I guess if you have injuries in the rotation, you got to start makeshifting arms and moving guys around from their yep. normal spots, from starter to reliever to whatever. You know, now you start really screwing with the mojo of the whole pitching staff. And yep. I think that's just where we're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Anywho. All right. I think, uh, well, we're getting the, uh, it's 8.15, boys. We had technical difficulties and stuff like that. We do have to wrap this up. That's it. Uh, um, do you have any final uh, words? You know what? Uh, enjoy playoffs. Uh, hockey and basketball are in full swing. And, uh, we'll, I mean, I want to get a little bit of NBA today, but we'll, there'll be a clearer picture next week. Uh, Lakers are in big trouble. If they don't win tonight, they're in deep trouble. I think. Oh, sorry. I think they play tomorrow. Uh, the Suns are a good team. Anthony Davis has looked awful since coming back from injury. And uh, the Lakers are just poorly constructed. It's time to put Marcus Gasol in the lineup. Um, this Andre Drummond experiment, to me, is not working. They're a mismatch. Brock, if you watch them next time, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, watch their next game if you have a chance. It's going to be a late game. Watch the first quarter and tell me what you think. It, they're just they're just a not the right fit for LeBron. There's not enough shooters on the floor, and their big men look slow and sloppy. And anyway, you'll... I, I, I want your point of view. If you All want right. to watch the first quarter of their next game, I would appreciate it. Sure. Um, Beautiful. Something to do. Excellent. I don't have anything to do. There's hockey playoffs <laughs> on. Jays yep. are on. As much as it pains me sometimes to watch, um, I'm hoping they can turn this around. Otherwise, um, again, shout out to everybody who tuned in. Thanks, Isaiah, for uh, for coming on, and Gord for uh, suggesting that. That was phenomenal. We'll be watching the OHL draft in anticipation of uh, an option for you. I'm not going to say your future team because who knows? Um, you know, yeah, let me know, I'll make the phone call down to Colgate. You got your grades, got football and hockey. The kid's huge. Oh, like he's so athletically gifted and like yeah. just a good size that imagine that having like the option of saying, ah, I might pursue the NHL or I might <laughs> pursue football. Like, pretty sweet. Guy's got a, a future ahead of him. No doubt. Uh, but most importantly, again, he's raised right. He's a good kid, uh, smart, knows does the right thing. So uh, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, again, if anybody's looking uh, or interested in fostering those uh, those two dogs, reach out to uh, Pepper, myself, uh, Facebook, even on the group, and we'll get you in contact with uh, with the owners for for more information. Other than that, shout out again to the Wheel Deal and Hashem. Yeah, and uh, we are going to go out to. Uh, I don't know what I was listening to. It was on the golf course, and uh, we had one. We played Saturday. It was eight of us. It was for one of the guys' birthdays. Two foursomes playing scramble. We had money on every hole, uh, playing back to back. We ended up playing like thirty holes that day. But 
had the tunes on, some old 90s type stuff, 2000s, and everything was bringing us back to the bar days. And I remember when this gentleman was the top of the charts every week. We're going to Sean Paul, Get Busy. Yeah, with this buffet, it's all good, girl. Turn me on till I earn them all. Let's get. 